Hello and welcome to At The Source. I'm Alex and this is Karis. This is a podcast about food stories. We love talking about food and eating it. So we wanted to talk to fellow food lovers and record their stories. We're having conversations with everyone from home cooks to food producers and restaurateurs. So why not join us as we explore food in all its glory? Welcome to At The Source. Today's guest is David Herbert from Herbert Crab Eggs. Based on the name, you'd be forgiven for not knowing that he is a smallholder and producer of quite literally award-winning, multicoloured, organic, free-range eggs. David has won over 700 awards as an egg exhibitor, that's really hard to say, over the last four to five years, including the much-coveted Champion Egg Prize at the Royal Welsh Agricultural Show. You'll find him contributing his knowledge of poultry in a number of publications and TV shows. He is also an advocate for locally sourced food and a strong believer in the importance of food connectivity. Welcome, David. Well, uh, thank you very much. It's so lovely to see you. I think that was quite a, a quite a good intro that covered pretty much <laughs> the potted history of your, your egg. It gets it in there, yeah. Egg it's better than, than the amount of characters you get in a Twitter bio. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely more than what do you get now? 380 characters, I think. I'll let Karis ask the first question. It's a question that we ask everybody on our mm-hmm. podcast. David, what is your first food memory? And does it involve eggs? Uh, um, do you know what? Yes, it, it, it does involve yes. eggs as it goes. <laughs> My mother would have had you believe that the very first food incident or memory that I should have would have been raiding the fridge for lemons and cheese when I was but a toddler. Um, infamous stories about going to the fridge and finding my first infant teeth marks in uh, blocks of cheese and in, and in lemons. A man after um, my own heart. <laughs> but actually, no, it involves my mother and my grandmother. Uh, I, I nearly burnt the house down when I was four, uh, trying to bake her a cake. Oh, uh, m- mum. <laughs> well, well, mum was always very keen uh, to show me how she cooked. She was a really, really useful home cook. And I, as has been the story of my life, keen to try things and, and learn and get on with it. Um, and I tried to bake her a cake, nearly burnt the house down. I've seen photographs of it. Um, so, yeah, that. And, and then the subsequent Christmas present, which was uh, oven gloves and rolling pin off my grandparents. So, <laughs> so, yeah, that's my first food memory. So, yes, eggs. You can come in cakes without eggs. Fantastic. So and if you could choose, if well, now that we're talking about eggs, you've said it again, what's your favourite way of eating eggs? Ooh, um, ooh, do you know what? People will say this when they're involved in things, when it's something you do all the time, you, you don't eat a lot of. I don't eat a tremendous amount of eggs. When I do, I tend to have super omelets. Ten eggs, um, all of veg, spinach, a little bit of asparagus in there as well. Oh, and really? then I tend to finish that off in the grill with a, a, a quail egg or a very small bantam egg, crack like a little white egg on the top and finish like that. That's probably my favourite way to eat eggs. That sounds like the fanciest omelette <laughs> in the world. He did say super omelette. Yeah, 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 you, you, yeah. Won't, you won't find James Martin see me do that in 30 seconds. No chance. <laughs> Eggs, and that's for more than one. Well, eleven by the time you count the one on top. True. No, I'm not going to lie. I probably polished that off myself. But look, I mean, I'm 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 six two. I'm a big lad. Yeah, I burn it off. You get away with it. (laughs) So, what was the catalyst for buying your first three chickens? So, you started with three chickens. Three chickens. Um, Well, I used to go to some of our local agricultural shows just as a spectator. I used to take the dog along, in fact, and do some of the charity shows with that. Saw a poultry tent, saw chickens, saw eggs in there. Thought, yes, who doesn't want a piece of the good life like we all do? (laughs) Um, As I mentioned, I saw eggs in there. I thought, that's something strange. I didn't know that was even a thing. Mm. I'm really interested in doing this. So I badgered my wife. And uh, for Valentine's Day the next year, she bought me a chicken coop for my first three chickens. 
Cybernetic. It's all right, isn't it? Get me out of the house, I suppose. Yeah, what better gift could I give her than peace and quiet, I suppose. And you mentioned, because you spoke earlier at the, the farmyard here at Abergavenny Food Festival, you mentioned that chickens are really good for your mental health. Yeah, well, I think so. Um, I, I've never been afraid to say it. I've suffered badly with, with my depression over the years and anxiety. And other people I know have done the same. And for a lot of them, working outdoors, getting outside in fresh air, getting involved in something helps to take your mind off things. And for me personally, I can't say this is true for everybody, but when things are really tough, when it's really dark, when you're not motivated, when you don't want to move, there are things out there that are dependent on you. Yes, I've got my daughter, but my wife will help me take care of that. But as far as the animals go, I'm the only thing there. I'm, I'm responsible for every aspect of their lives. And if I don't put myself together enough to get on with it, then I'm jeopardising something far, far more than just myself. So for me, I find it a really good reason to get out and to do. And then once you are out and you're, you're with them, then you feel great that you've done that thing and it helps yeah, you. Yeah, and, 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 and of course, social media now, we're very quick to, to type something away and air our thoughts on things. And mm. you can upset a lot of people sometimes just because you want to vent something. But I also find a chicken's a fantastic mechanism for that. If I go down there and talk about my angst or my problems or, or comment on something, I'm not offending anybody, but, it, but it's venting my spleen, it's getting the bad energy out of me as well. Chickens aren't going to judge me for it. And I'm sure they give very wise advice. Say <laughs> <laughs> so nothing is best. Yeah. yeah. So you, so your wife bought you the three chickens in the coop. Mm-hmm. How long after that was it that you decided you wanted to? I mean, obviously, your your kind of your passion started when you saw people mm. um, exhibiting, mm. exhibiting, mm. exhibiting. Sorry, I bet you've heard that so many Every times. Single one you can um, it's okay. At what point did you add competitions <laughs> to your chicken repertoire? Well, well, that that was the reason for it. Um, Forgetting right. them, really. Fresh eggs, a slice of the good life. But yeah, so I could have a go at that very strange egg exhibiting thing I saw that time at that show. Uh, I did the first show with those birds from that year, got a couple of cards, thought, okay, well, there's something in it. So the next year then we bought a couple more birds to enter more competitions, more success. Meant again, I wanted more eggs. I wanted to enter different classes, different colours. And so I learned more and bought more and more chickens and needed more and more space. I just find it fascinating and actually this was the reason that we we kind of sought you out and hounded you down to talk to us for our podcast because I hadn't heard of um, this kind of egg fancying like I obviously have been to shows where people are showcasing like the biggest pumpkin pumpkin or yeah, their, yeah. their pork pie that they made or their like bake-off type stuff but never eggs. Well that's that's the beauty of this country one of the things that's so so special about the UK is our agricultural shows and our heritage and if you go you could pick any single one out of the calendar and you go along and you will probably see something that you didn't know existed or was important to us in this country uh, and most of it is all connected to food that's what agriculture is all about. So we, we, we exhibit cheeses, we exhibit honey, we exhibit flowers, as, as you mentioned, pumpkins, any sort of animal, from rabbits to cows, chickens. Why not the eggs? Why not? Um, and for me, again, it's, it's a bit more rewarding in terms of showing them the birds. It's a bit easier for me. Um, I don't have to take the birds inside the house, shower them and bath them and get an earache <laughs> off my wife for, for filling the plug all full of feathers. I can, I can get my eggs together, the nest boxes are clean, I pick them over an evening before the show with a glass of wine nice and laid back and hopefully I'm going to go and do my business. I'm wondering, when you're showing the eggs, it's really quite obvious, so when you are showing a giant pumpkin or when you're showing, uh, say, a, a sheep or, or something like that, there is like a... a 
a tangible thing, thing yeah, yeah tangible yeah. things yeah. that you can do you, you shear the sheep or you cut yeah, that little yeah. bit of fur that's sticking out of uh, wool or eggs that you kind it's, of don't it's know about, it's about they perfection it's that quest for perfection so when you're looking at animals you're looking for a perfect animal and the reason for that generally is considered for breedability suitable that its offspring will be strong and healthy and that's true of chickens and therefore it has to be true of eggs a decent chicken will only come out of a decent egg. That egg, to have a chance of fertilising and hatching successfully, needs to be perfect in every every possible way. It needs to be the right size and shape for heat temperature control and, and water loss. It needs to be maintained at the right temperatures. Um, it has to have the right amount of nutrients in it to sustain that chick until that chick is viable and then hatches out of the egg. And we can see that all, actually, if we look at an egg close up. If you look at your normal box in a supermarket, just six ordinary generic brown eggs, every single one of them is different. On the show bench, I'm looking for perfection, so a perfect shape, not too thin, not too round. The shell should be smooth, because that indicates there's no thick spots that would make a chick for the hatch to get through. No thin spots that might allow diseases or fungal spores to get through to the egg. So that shell's got to be perfect. perfect. And then, of course, we're trying to group them up, find three or six, or, or sometimes 12 identical eggs. But again, it's all about perfection. If you've got a perfect egg, you're going to have a stronger, healthier chick, and your bloodline, your breeding is going to carry on. And so that kind of leads in quite nicely to the question that just popped into my head, which is what exactly are the judges looking for? It's not just about the the nice colour or the nice pattern. It's about actually the quality of the shell. That's an element without getting too, too technical about it. The poultry club of Wales, uh, poultry club is a standard. There's point scoring, but a big element makes up the shape. So again, the right shape proportion of that is for the shell quality, a proportion of that is for the colour, and a proportion for matching them up. So again, it's about finding perfection in one specimen. I find it so interesting. I wish I could keep chickens. Have a small yeah. balcony. You absolutely should. You could do it on a balcony. You absolutely could. You could keep a couple of bantams in a fairly small coop. And yeah, that would be absolutely ideal. There are some birds that are, that are more suited to be kept indoors. There's some with little fluffy feet and legs that Aww. hate free-ranging because they get covered in mud and wet and cold. So actually, they, <laughs> they should be yeah. kept, kept, <laughs> kept in cage. You're like a, free, a free-range bantam, Karen. <laughs> if I was going to be a chicken, I'd be a free-range, free-range bantam. bantam. What chicken would you be if you were a chicken? Oh, oh, wow. Um... <laughs> These are, co- these are quality questions. Uh, okay, I, not scripted. Prob- probably my favourite chicken. I really like a white leghorn, which is a, a skinny white chicken, um, but they lay the most fantastically large for their size, white eggs, and those eggs consistently over the years have done really well for me, won some of the best prizes. Sorry, I'm a bit competitive, I like winning, so I'd want to be a showstopping leghorn. So, what did you. what? What chicken and what type of egg was it that you won your champion egg prize with at the Royal Welsh That Bank was egg? with those what white leghorn eggs. Yeah, there you go. A plate, so a plate of three white eggs from birds that were um, a little over a year old, really good sizes, and yet three that looked exactly the same. And I was lucky enough to uh, to get the top prize. Did you know? Did you know they were? Did you feel it when you went to the show? These are these are good. Tough. Um, I like to think I'm fairly much at the top of my game and know what I'm looking for, so I think I'm going to do well. Mm. And I pick them right and prepare right. You don't know who else is going to turn up on the day. There's other mm. people who are into it just as much as me. And yeah, so you can never you can never judge. Sometimes when you see an egg, you collect an egg from the box. You you can look at it and think, oh, that's a nice egg. Mm. That one's going to do me really nicely in the shows. I knew they were a nice place. I knew I had a chance, but to get it, no, that's something special. Do you mentor anyone? 
Do I mentor anybody? Um, no, not at the moment. Um, I'm also poultry secretary for Mac and Bedwalty Agricultural Societies. This was my first year of doing it this year, and we've had some youngsters come along at the minute um, who, are, who are very enthusiastic amateurs and want to get involved more in chicken keeping, in egg showing, in bird showing. So potentially we have a couple uh, on the way. And, of course, there's my little daughter who we call the apprentice. But uh, until, yeah, apprentice. Uh, until she gets her own chicken, she's not stealing my glory. Whoa, <laughs> them spartan words. <laughs> if someone wanted to um, start keeping chickens, and you did touch on this in your in your talk earlier, but for everyone at home, what's the best place to start? What should you do first? Um, okay, so you're going to be responsible for a life, so you've got to think about that. Have you got the time and commitment for an animal to keep something? That's the very first thing you should be asking yourself. Chickens don't need a lot of work and effort. They need to be cleaned regularly kept in fresh food and water uh, and if you can interact with them that teams them a little bit more um, but the next question is space and what do you want to keep them for do you want to keep chickens for, for a couple of eggs do you want to bring on a couple of meat birds do you want to show birds so depending a little bit on what you want means you, you're going to change how many you have or how you keep them at the start of this year you had a really traumatic turn of events at your farm involving a fox and you talked earlier in the farmyard about how clever they are and that idiom you know clever as a fox sort of really drives home when you Mm. give the examples Mm. can you tell us a little bit about that yeah um well any chicken keeper will tell you fox is a persistent and perennial uh, pest fox as you quite rightly say there is a very very smart creature um, th- there's a reason they're in all the stories and all the mythologies for their wiseness and their slyness. A fox will watch you, he'll, he'll plan, he'll work out when you're there, when you're not there. If there's any patterns, they'll walk around your compound looking for weaknesses. And that's what led to that fox attack for me. The birds all free range, they come and go as they please within the fields, there's a couple of acres and they help themselves to it. And at night they get locked into a fenced compound and into their hutches and their pens inside that. This fox attack would have happened around half past three in the afternoon, um, so far earlier than they would have been inside anyway. Uh, but fox did get in through a weak bit in the corner of the compound. Uh, some of the birds were in the breeding pens there. He started with them, he got in, he got into every pen there. And he, he got about and he killed pretty much all the chickens and all the ducks that we had down there. He didn't eat any, they didn't take any away. There was just one head missing, in fact. Um, now fox would have come if I hadn't come down and disturbed it uh, fox would have gradually taken all those chickens away and it's really really tough losing all those animals I didn't think I'd be able to carry on raising more chickens whether I'd start again I, I thought that's the end for me I've got no interest left that, that allows me to write or do any of the TV opportunities that I've had with, the, with keeping the poultry uh, and I just didn't have the strength or the energy to build it all up from scratch I did go on social media and I, I, I explained what happened to my followers and it wasn't about looking for attention or sympathy it was just about reminding people that we've got to be vigilant all the time uh, and if you don't the devastation that it can cause now, within hours, I had messages from America, from Australia, of people offering me money, offering me birds. At first, I declined to help. I thought, no, that's, don't be silly. Um, but the more and more it happened, and somebody said, look, you need to set up a GoFundMe pay. I was like, no, don't be daft. But we did it, and, and, and within hours, we'd raised £500. Um, I'd had birds promised to me from all over the country. People were sending me eggs from up and down the country. So by the time we got to March again, and the very first show for me in that year, which is the Wessex Egg Championship, I was able and in a position to take a few plates of eggs down there again, starting completely from scratch, and all based on the kindness of strangers, generally. It's amazing. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and again, I mentioned mental health. That was a, there was it was a dark time, mm -hmm. but to find that that many people actually care and want to help you, and there's no reason for it. It's, it's completely altruistic. There's nothing in it for them at all. It's purely they want to see somebody that's passionate about what they do carry on in that vein. So. I'm forever, forever grateful to all the people that helped me to carry on doing this. And, and it's led me to speaking to you today here. And to a crowd of very excited people outside. <laughs> well, that, 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 that really was a lot of fun. Um, and again, it's, it's because I think that it's so important. And keeping chickens in itself might not be overly interesting uh, to everybody, but it can take you in so many directions. I get involved with food, I get involved with agriculture. I'm secretary of, of show sections now. I'm speaking to the crowds at food festivals. It is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, opportunities are there for you if you know where to look for them and, and, and grasp them say yes that's my motto I think so yes you never know where your hobby will lead you don't David and I were just talking about this a moment ago because um, David's got two chickens outside in, um, and some children had spotted them and were getting excited so Karis went out to investigate and you know Karis and I met through just on social media actually just from writing both writing food blogs because we love food and then last year we came to Abergavenny absolutely loved it tried to get an Airbnb um, but left it too late so we're driving again from Bristol tomorrow to wow. come back wow. and yeah your story is incredibly interesting I'll have to expand to glamping and then you'll have, yeah. you'll have space for next year yeah that'd be great glamping with chickens yes, I went glamping yes. with uh, sheep uh, with a few weeks ago in Salisbury <laughs> near the sheep. yeah it was near the sheep it wasn't with the sheep as such but you know I was you know woke Woke in the morning to the sounds of bleating, Gentle and then, bleating, and, then yeah. the, and then they all kind of just ran past where I was just to get into the the barn to get their breakfast, and it was just it was awesome. And I think the idea of you know waking to the chickens if you're really into getting up early and again big, big thing Airbnbs and farms you see doing Airbnb make that part of the experience. They have you going out and helping mucking out and collecting the eggs. Again, it's all about getting people involved and back in touch with their food. Absolutely. Um, again, touching on the talk that you did, which unfortunately most of these people that listen to this won't have been at. Um, you were talking about the, the importance of getting kids involved, and, and like with your daughter, she's involved. So she's involved in the whole process except for the slaughter of the chickens. Yeah, at the moment she she helps me care for the birds. She helps me collect the eggs. She helps me name them. She helps me clean them out. She eats the chickens and the eggs that we produce. She knows that some of the chickens we have die and that we eat them. She, she's aware of that. But as of yet, I've not actually involved her hands-on or witnessing the slaughtering process. She's seen a, a, a dead bird, still feathered, and then she's seen the end product of one dressed and plucked. She's not actually done it yet. If she, I'd like her to do it. She says she's not interested. She doesn't want to say that's absolutely fine. I won't force her. But it's a, it's a fact. It's a reality. Um, and we need to appreciate that. If it puts some people off their meat, okay, so be it. You know, there are there are alternatives. If it makes you question the sustainability of your meat or the volume of the meat you eat, well, that's good as well. So, yeah, really, really important. If she wants to see it, she can see it. I won't force her to do it. And it's up to her then whether mm. she wants to be involved in that process in the future but or at not. at least she's educated about where she's her meat She's aware of it, yeah. yeah that's, that's so it. important. And, and, and it, it would be nothing less than my duty as a parent to tell her the truth and explain to her about what the things that go into her body, where they come from. Absolutely. When she's old enough to make an informed decision, apropos of all the facts and the circumstances around it, and that is entirely her decision there. I think that's great and it's the way it should be, for sure. We probably have time for one more question. 
and we will release you back to your chickens. Sure. But not until we've t- we've touched the chickens and said hello to them. Because we um, tried to earlier, but there were too many children who probably were, you know... Oh, children getting in the I way know. of our oh, chicken no, patting. I know, I know these children that we want to connect without. <laughs> we want you to connect with the chicken, but after I've connected with the chicken. You, you obviously don't have a big enough farm to be a mass producer of eggs, and it sounds like that's something you would never be interested in mm-hmm. anyway. But on your website, it says that you can go to your farm and buy some eggs and one of the options is bartering absolutely why not um, as I mentioned before yeah, sick and tired of eggs I want something a bit different <laughs> um, so yeah I'm really happy to take swaps and exchanges for them over the last couple of years um, I swapped them for some honey there's, there's a honey producer a bit down the valley we sometimes swap with them um, I go along to my local butchers if I give him plenty of eggs I get a nice healthy discount off my meat products in there um, there's a guy down the road who does a bit of rabbiting and fishing so we've had trout and rabbit from time to time for the eggs but probably the best deal for me is my window cleaner he, he, <laughs> comes, he comes every month two dozen eggs jobs are good sounds pretty good Perfect. to me well thank you so much for coming to talk to us thank you for, um, for asking me it's no, it's honestly great. it's been fascinating <laughs> it has. and um, I'm worried for my husband that my next hobby may or may not involve chickens because well, he really doesn't like birds. <laughs> Listen, you know to come to for any advice or any questions about it. Um, and I say to all your listeners, if anybody's got any interests uh, or any questions they want to ask me, then please get in touch with me via the social media channels. I'm, I'm happy to chat chickens. And we'll list all of your contact details in the show notes so people can find you as well. All right, brilliant. Thank Great. you very much. Well, thank you so much, David. And thank you for listening. If you would like any more information or to listen to other episodes, at thesource.com is where you should go. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. And until next time, over and out.